Welcome to the Haunted Road Trip Show, where we bring you powerful conversations, insights, and exciting site investigations that reveal the paranormal world in a way you've never seen before. Now, prepare to have your thirst for curiosity satisfied. Okay, welcome back, everybody, to Haunted Road Trip Show. This edition is a ghosted what? Listener's Chronicles. Yes, that is why I tell you people, if you have ghostly stories or paranormal stories, I want you to come on here and tell the entire world about it on here and have a nice little talk on here. And today I have Josh with me and he is calling in all the way from Australia. Yes, ladies, so you can swoon over that accent. You know you want to. You know you want to on that. Josh, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Yes, and so, like, it's like 7 o'clock in the morning where you're at, isn't it? Like It is, yeah. Uh, I've just got up. I'm ready for the day. Oh, my God. It's like mid-afternoon here. He's in our future, everybody, by the way, just to let you know. <laughs> but he was so kind to respond to an advert that I put out there on the wide, wide internet for people to tell me about their ghostly stories. And here he is. And let me tell you what, guys, from the little bit that he's told me, he's got some juicy ones up his sleeve. Josh, you grew up in a haunted house, like very haunted. We, we had a lot of activity over the course of probably about 15 years in that one particular house. And uh, I wish I had as much activity in other houses since then, but it seems to have been very much isolated to that single house that I lived in. Have you ever done paranormal investigations? Just like on a couple of experience yeah i've got a, a couple of emf detectors and i've done a few of those sorts of investigations just with some friends for a bit of fun uh, i've attended a few uh, professionally run uh ones at uh, old asylums that have been decommissioned and prisons and, and those types of things also for a bit of fun there's quite a few of those in australia okay so that's new news that's that's like i mean <laughs> that's juiciness to us, you know, kind of woo-woo paranormal. And I'm jealous. You guys, here in the United States, it, it does take a couple hoops to get through the um, the decommissioned uh, asylums and things like that to mm -hmm. be able to get into them. So I'm, I'm completely jealous already, Josh. It's been like, what, two minutes? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So tell us about... Tell us about your house. Tell us, like, when when did you start to notice, like, you know, something? This isn't just coincidence here. No, there was there was a series of events, and uh, it all started when I was about thirteen. We've just moved into this big two story house. Uh, this would have been back in about nineteen ninety five. So, uh, a month or two leading up to me about to, uh, about to start high school, and. It was a big house and it had a lot of, it felt like dark corners. It was a big, beautiful house. So I shouldn't make it sound like it was a horrible house. It was a really nice house. But whenever I walked around by myself, I often had the creeps a little bit. I felt like there was someone standing right behind me, staring over my shoulder from behind. And I sort of thought it was just me until I had some other friends who would come over and say, geez, this, 
this house is a little bit a bit creepy, isn't it? And I sort of thought, mm, okay, maybe it's not just me. Now, I'd lived in another pretty big house prior to that as well and had completely different vibes in this house. Anyway, so we, we lived in this house for a year or so and nothing of any significance happened or certainly nothing that I had noticed at the time. Uh, but about a year or so in, we started noticing that the heater would just turn itself on in the house all the time. And it was a little old slide switch that was mounted on the wall with a little thermostat and it controlled the ducted heating for the house. So it was a little spring operated thing. And I thought, well, maybe the spring's gone in it or something like that. My science sort of brain applying some science to it. And it would just keep happening. And, and then to the point where my family would get into arguments about, well, who keeps turning the heater on? It's, it's not even cold today. And, you know, I inspected the unit and sure enough, there, there wasn't a little spring in there. It was, there was nothing like that. And this went on for, I'm going to say on and off for about three or four months to the point that at one stage where I said to mum, do you think there's something a bit paranormal going on? Not really believing that there was, but possibly suspecting that something a little bit strange was happening. And she looked at me with this look and as she tried to reassure me and she said, no, don't be silly. There's no such thing. But she gave me this look as though she knew deep down she had been thinking exactly the same thing. She, she, her eyes told me that there was more to that story and that she had possibly had some sort of similar experiences in her life previously or had similar sort of thoughts to what I did. Anyway, minor stuff, heater turning on itself, no big deal, right? Uh, but things started to progress. Well, that's big deals. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, it, to, to anyone as an isolated incident, it could still be explained away as you know something else, right? Maybe my younger brother playing with the heater or something. So then more things started to happen. I'm going to say, I can't remember specific dates because we're going back 20, 20 odd years now. In fact, some cases, 25 years. Uh, but there was one big pot plant outside my bedroom on, on a bookshelf. Did you one see the day, pot plant? Yeah, big pot plant, yeah. Potted plant. Potted plant, yeah, in Australia. Okay, here in the plant. Yeah, not, not a marijuana plant. <laughs> I never, never even thought about that, actually. Yeah, that's just what we call them over here, pot plant, but potted plant, yeah, for your, uh, for your <laughs> listeners, a potted plant. <laughs> Full of dirt, right? Probably weighs uh, a, a couple of kilos, gets launched across the room, spills dirt all over the floor. Uh, the plant stays in the plant, but there's dirt everywhere. And we're trying to work out, well, has the wind blown this? What's happened? How's this happened? And there was no one home at the time. So we've just come home and just seen it on the other side of the room with a trail of dirt. So you could see the direction it had been thrown from. So you weren't in the house when that happened? You no, came home. no, no, no one was home at the time. And we just came home to this plant on the opposite side of the room with a trail of dirt leading up from where it had come from. And you could see that it had sort of been tipped or, or pushed uh, in some way. Nothing else to serve inside the house. Yeah, yeah, that that was weird, and that would creep me out. Yeah, we thought, well, maybe the wind. You know, there was a window slightly open nearby, but and we tried to do all the scientific rulings, and and really found that this thing was just way too heavy for the wind to tip it. And if it had tipped, it might have dropped directly down, not not launched, been launched across the room about a meter and a half. So, sorry, I'm using all the Australian metric system here for your listeners, probably trying to work out what I'm talking about. Um, so, so that's again, an isolated incident it was probably a couple of years after the heater thing happened. Uh, but then one night I had a dream and I was lying there in bed and I was dreaming and I was communicating with this spirit who was floating above the ceiling in my bedroom. And he was communicating telepathically with my brother and I, and I can't remember the topic or the conversation, but I woke up to this huge thud from this dream 
to find that the CD player in my brother's room had been launched across the room. And my mum and dad woke up, ran into his room. I got up to work out what the huge bang was. And this is the old CD players were big. This is like the size of, you know, almost a microwave type type thing. Um, so that had been unplugged from the wall and moved about two metres across the room uh, and landed on the floor and, and smashed on the ground. So by then we're thinking, well, these things are starting to add up a little bit. There's quite a few things. Wait that a minute. Starting- I, I have <laughs> questions about this dream here. Sure. So what, like, do you recall talking to anything that was in a form? Or do you recall, like, some something was there, but I don't know what it looked like? Yeah, it was, I remember, like, a ball of energy being located above my ceiling and my brother and I had adjoining rooms and it was almost in a, in a position that was sort of directly between us. And there was this like bluish white light formed between us. Like there was this channel like of communication. Connected. Yeah. And I remember in the dream, it was like we were having this connection and I don't remember the specifics of what was being discussed. I don't even know if I ever worked that out. And yeah, it was startled and awoken from it was clean up my mess I just made with the plant. Sorry about the plant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get to the explanation for the plant later because I found the culprit for that many, many years later. <clears throat> um, so, so yeah, so at this stage, so I'm telling all these stories in quick succession. So you're sort of thinking, well, surely I'm thinking there must be something going on. But this is over several years at this point. This is not regular, consistent activity. And so are you talking to like, at this point with with the telepathic dreams, are you talking to your brother about this? Are you talking to your friends? Are you, I, you know? I started telling some friends. I, I spoke to my brother and sister about it. We were all a little bit interested in it. Um, my brother didn't recall the dream. He was quite a heavy sleeper. Uh, he didn't share that same dream with me. If he did, he certainly didn't recall it. Um, so it was something that we, we'd started discussing. Is there the possibility of something a little bit paranormal going on? Does that even exist? And if so, is that what we're experiencing in this house? And you know, no one remained convinced at that point in time because there were small isolated incidents that um, somewhat could, could have been explained away. And my dad was is and was a, a huge sceptic. I think he's probably less so these days because it's becoming harder to be a sceptic in my house. But he was always the, the voice of reason telling everybody that, Everything was fine and there was no such thing as anything ghostly or anything like that. Sounds like my father. <laughs> we, we all know a few. Yeah, everyone's on a different end of the spectrum for sure. So so then um, then things started, we actually started to see physical entities in the house. So there was a, a time where uh, my brother was lying in bed and my mum walked past my younger brother's bedroom. He was probably about 11 at the time. My mum saw a little girl called, crawled up in his bed, sleeping on the top of his doona next to him, on the top of his bed. And my mum didn't say anything. She was a bit pissed off. She's thinking, what's my brother doing with a girl in his bed at 11 years old? Anyway, so confronted him about it the next morning, and my brother's like, there was there was no one in my room. Then Wait a minute, your mom? Room. Okay, okay, here's what boggles me about your mom. Like, she walks past the bedroom, she sees a girl in the bed with your brother and then keeps going she, and doesn't yeah. say anything about it right there. <laughs> like, no, I, I know, I know. There, there are a few incidents like, like that where, yeah, I, I'm not, I mean, it, was, so it happened so long ago now, I can't remember exactly what her reasoning for that was. Um, but there was another time where she's walked past his room at night 
and his old Nokia phone was on the ground, plugged into the charger, illuminated and glowing above the Nokia as the phone screen is lit up and illuminated is this same small girl hunched over the phone, sort of captivated by the glowing of the light and was staring at the phone. And she was a somewhat silhouette uh, figure that was, uh, and then my brother, my brother was asleep at the time and, and mum left that as well. She didn't want Your to go into the room. Your brother just sleeps through everything. Huh? He, he will. He sleeps through anything, my brother. That's right. So, so we had a couple of those sorts of uh, incidents. I can't remember who it was, but I think it was my, it was either my mum or my sister, possibly even my brother, at one point saw that same girl figure sort of floating through the corridor at one point upstairs outside the bedrooms in our corridor. So by this stage, you know, this is several years into living in the house, there's been several sightings. We were all fairly convinced that there was more going on than just our imagination or some scientific phenomena. So... That was all you know, pretty, pretty weird, pretty. So one thing I should probably mention as well, that we didn't actually share a lot of these stories with one another until Christmas about probably about 10 years ago. So we actually held a lot of these back. So we wow. actually didn't find out a lot of these stories from one another until after we moved out. We had a Christmas lunch down at my, my parents' holiday house. And it wasn't until we sat there sharing stories for a couple of hours straight that we realized there's actually so many things that happened in that house. That's why some of the detail at the time you're thinking, well, why wasn't this raised and why wasn't that raised? Well, a lot of it wasn't mentioned to, to one another. Because nobody was talking to each we other. We didn't want to freak each other out. And we thought if we rejected it in our mind, it would help us sleep better at night as well. So we, we never talked about a lot of these things. But one of the things I did talk about was one night when I was lying asleep and I feel this sense like, wake up, Josh, wake up. So I, I open my eyes and I look across the room and standing at the foot of my bed is this tall six foot man with a really menacing look on his face. He's this old man with sort of grayish hair and he's sort of dressed in like a suit and he's just staring at me like he really wants to do me harm. <clears throat> and he... He looks at me and a second later, he just throws himself over the bed and launches himself through the air towards me, hurls himself towards me while I quickly throw myself under the covers and proceed to panic and shit myself for a couple of hours straight whilst <laughs> my heart's racing and I'm trying to get back to sleep. And it was probably the most terrifying experience I've ever had in terms of any of the paranormal things that had occurred. And that one I did tell people about. I told mum. I didn't tell anyone else, but I told mum not straight away. I needed to think about it for a few days, but I told mum a few days later. You, and... you like you, you were so much better than me because I would have been screaming to high heavens. <laughs> no, no, there, there was no screaming. I don't think I could speak. I think I was so frozen stiff I couldn't speak. I was. It wasn't a sleep paralysis type moment. I, was, I remember being able to pull the covers over my head and uh, but I was very very terrified <laughs> and, and by this stage I was no I wasn't a little kid by this stage I was probably about 18 I think if I recall correctly but it was uh, yeah it was certainly a terrifying moment for me um, there was other times where I would move around the house and if I'd sit still and it was a quiet night I could hear heavy breathing from an old man and you could hear it like a <sighs> And I'd noticed that twice in two different rooms. Uh, I mentioned that to my mum at, at this Christmas lunch 10 years or so ago. And mum said to me, I never told anyone this, but because she had a bad back, she used to get up and, and stretch on a foam mattress in the middle of the night, usually about 3 a.m. 
and it was dead silent, obviously, at 3 a.m. Everybody's asleep. Uh, and she said that in the living room in our house where we had this big foam mattress for her back stretches, she would hear heavy breathing, uh, gasping for air in the middle of the night as well. And we never shared that story until yeah, many years later. So that was verified by someone else. And it wasn't just in my head that one as well. Wow. So do you do you suspect that both you and your mother, like the man that you saw at the end of your bed and the heavy breather were the same spirit? I, I do. I think we had two in our house. Uh, I think we had uh, obviously the little girl that had been seen and the older man. The breathing seemed like that was that of an old man with a respiratory condition or, or certainly some sort of... You think of he was jealous like of your youth or something? I don't know. It's, it was it was really interesting. And so that, that was sort of the main collection of things that happened in that particular house. But there were things that followed us on holidays or presented on holidays. So they weren't necessarily the same spirits. But there was a time when I was 15. Okay, we so wait, like, wait a minute. You said things followed you on holidays? I, I don't know specifically if... They followed us on holidays, but we had two family holidays probably within about two or three years apart around that time when I was in my late teens where we had two paranormal encounters on holidays as well and was never able to verify if they were the same spirits because nobody saw them. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I can I can tell you the account of, of what happened there. Uh, so when I was about 15, we went on a houseboat so we went up to this place called Uchuka. It's about three hours from Melbourne, where I live in Australia. And uh, everybody hires houseboats up there. And this houseboat fit about 10 people on it. We went away with another family. And I remember when we arrived on this houseboat, uh, I remember thinking this is a little bit a bit creepy, a little bit weird. But it might have been just because it was the first houseboat experience I've ever had. Anyway, so it was either the first or the second night. My mum wakes up in the middle of the night with the feeling of a hand on her ankle and it pulled her leg so hard that it pulled her leg out the end of the bed. And my mum wakes up and she says to my dad, what did you do that for, John? You know, what, what's wrong? What's going on? And looked across and then noticed that my dad was snoring half asleep or fully asleep. And the door was closed and that something ghostly had grabbed her ankle and pulled her leg out the end of the bed. And mum didn't tell us that one until many years later as well. Wow. So... Mm. Do you, like, do you feel like you guys have, like, your mediums and that's why it's easy to get your attention, both you and your mom? Because it seems uh, I, like your dad and your brother sleep through everything. Yeah, I would say that my mom certainly, and me and my brother and sister certainly. My brother does sleep through everything, but he's had his own encounters as well. Um, and apparently it does run on my mom's side of the family. Some of the stories I'll tell you after, and I'm going to get to some of my precognitive dreams and premonitions, would make me believe that I definitely have a level of, of um, I guess, psychic ability. I guess we all do. But for me, I feel like it's uh, at a certain period in my life, it was certainly heightened. And um, yeah, I'll share some of those stories. Were you well. ever able or have you ever been inclined to do research about that house? Like, here in the United States, you can look up like titles and deeds and see who's owned it and look up like birth and death records, incidents in newspapers. Have you ever done that? I have and found nothing of any significance. It was once upon a time farmland. 
before that area was rezoned um, for, for housing. And there was really nothing of any significance that came up in any of those records. I remember searching that back when I was in high school. Um, I can probably dig up more information now than I probably could back then 30 years ago. Um, but yeah, yeah, never was able to find any any reason or anything why there might be something paranormal going on there. That's I actually think it was a collection of us as a family having that heightened sense of ability, that psychic ability, I think was probably more so than the actual physical location itself. And I, and I say that because we had things on holidays and I'll, and I'll share another story with you as yes. well. Which is, By the uh, way, I do think houseboats are creepy. Yeah, so it's not just me, right? Well, now I think they're really creepy after what happened last time. I, I really don't. I've heard I've heard some really, really creepy, creepy ghost stories about houseboats, like in Paris and on the Thames, and like I'm just like every time I've been on board of one of those anywhere, I'm like, this is just creepy. I'm out. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I agree. So this uh, this other holiday that we went on, it was probably a couple of, couple of years later. I'm thinking I was about 17 because I remember distinctly it was during September 2000. It was during the, the Sydney Olympics. So Australia was hosting the Olympics that year. And uh, we did a family holiday up to Noosa. It was on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia. Beautiful spot. And uh, a couple of days before we get there, we find out that the manager of the motel that we were staying at has, uh, has just passed away from a heart attack, had a massive heart attack and died. And uh, my mum, who'd done all the booking through this guy, then now had to speak with his wife, who was obviously quite distressed whilst still trying to manage this motel. So we, we arrived at the motel knowing that this guy had just died a couple of days earlier, and it was one that had probably 20 different apartments in it. And um, we, we got there, and, and the sleeping arrangement was there was a bedroom upstairs, a master bedroom for my mum and dad, a kid's bedroom for my brother and sister, and then a roll-out mattress for me downstairs on the bottom level by myself. Great. I've got to sleep downstairs in the dark in a house that's making creaking noises all night by myself uh, in, the, uh, in the place where the, the guy's just died. Now, he didn't die in that apartment, but he had died what, you know, recently, and that was on my mind. Uh, not, not particularly brave at 17, I must say. Uh, so during the night, I would just hear creaking and things shifting and moving, and I was really awake and my heart was racing all night. I just had a terrible sleep. Uh, nothing significant happened, but I just remember a really bad sleep and I was quite anxious and afraid all, all night. The next day we woke up and my brother was feeling a bit sick. So we all decided we'd all go to the beach. My brother was probably 13. He was old enough to stay home for a couple of hours by himself. And um, he had TV, just watch a bit of the Olympics, no big deal. So uh, we all went to the beach, came home about two hours later and found him standing outside the unit. He refused to go inside back into the apartment. What, what happened here? What's wrong? And he said, I, I was sitting on the couch and I decided to get up and watch some TV. And this is showing my age here. He had to get up and physically walk over and press the button on the CRT TV to turn it on. And in the reflection on the black screen, he saw a big figure step up behind him and standing over his shoulder. So my brother swung his fist to punch this person because he thought it was someone trying to attack him, looked around and there was absolutely no one there. And he bolted out of the house and stood outside the front of the house. Um, he waited for us to get back outside the uh, the unit and then eventually came inside with us all. So the next day, 
he's like, I'm not staying home. I'm coming with you guys. We're going to all go to the beach together, right? He's, he's not staying or not, I am coming. <laughs> he's not going to make that mistake twice. So he goes with us. We all go together. Spend a couple of hours at the beach, probably get to brekkie, that sort of thing. Come home, go upstairs into the house. And mum's like, who's moved everything in the house? We're like, what do you mean? So we all go into the master bedroom and pretty much everything you can imagine has been put in a straight line in the room. The alarm clock's been ripped out of the wall and placed on the, on the on the ground. Shoes, pillows, spare clothes, everything just formed a perfect straight line of about 15 objects in the room. And we're like, what, what's going on here? Like, who's done this? And we all thought someone was being a bit silly in the family or playing tricks or something. No, no one, no one was. We called the hotel, the motel manager and said, has housekeeping been in here and are they mucking around? And they said, no, you don't have housekeeping as part of the service there. Uh, so no one had had access to the place. Nothing was missing, but everything was in a straight line. And now I think about it these days, I wonder if it was the hotel manager trying to you know, get through to us and uh, maybe even he'd, he'd hidden money in the wall or something. I don't know whether what he was trying to do. I think he was probably just trying to communicate, but I'm certain it was him. Uh, I can't imagine it would be another spirit that would do that given the circumstances leading up to our arrival. Interesting. If it was him, how he lined things up. Yeah, yeah. We were never able to decipher other than it was a message to indicate a presence of something spiritual. We we could never sort of decipher it as any meaning behind it or anything like that. Have you you ever been back there since? No, not not to that particular uh, motel, no. Wow. Because yeah. I oftentimes like to re, if I can, revisit places that I've had paranormal activity happen like years before and see if I still feel the same way, yeah. if I sense something different. That's why I asked that. It's funny you say that because I have this urge. I really want to go back to the house that I grew up in. I was going to ask you about that. I, I really want to. I want to go and say, have you ever had anything strange happen here? Um and I just haven't worked out the right approach because they might think, oh, who's who's this who's this weirdo? Or if they have, then I don't know. I just I just haven't worked out how to do it yet. That's only 15 minutes from where I live, the old house that I grew up in. So it wouldn't be hard to get there. I just haven't worked out how I would broach the topic with the current owners. Wow. Yeah, and especially you don't want to freak them out if nothing has happened and then all of a sudden they're sleeping like wide-eyed at oh, night. Exactly. Some heavy breathing old man is going to get them. It, exactly, yeah. I don't think I would share my stories with them. It would be more a case of just asking <laughs> out of interest if they ever saw anything. Well, you could but just they, drive by there and see. Yeah, yeah. I, I drive past it all the time. <sighs> mm. You feel anything like... Or not from the car, like not nostalgic. past. No, no. It's no. all good. I I would really love to find out the answer to that if you ever find a way to get back to there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can sort of talk you through our process of trying to find answers. Uh, and that started off with us in that house, uh, starting to do a series of seances. So by this age, I'm probably 21, 22 um, and that was me, my brother, my sister, and my neighbor, who was my age. And we would do this on a Saturday night if my parents were out for dinner or gone out somewhere. So we would do it when the parents weren't home. And we, 
Yeah, we, we hadn't really played with Ouija boards or, or any of that previously. And that, and that's because my mum had always warned us. She'd said, don't mess with this stuff. This is real. And she, she'd accounted an experience from when she was young. I think she was about early 20s herself. And she'd tried to contact her dad who died when she was 14. And it was it was her, her twin sister, I think my dad and, and another guy were doing a, a, a Ouija board with a shot glass. And they were getting some pretty clear answers. But then it started to move around really aggressively yeah. and quite violently. So they all felt that they didn't have the control. So they took their hands off the shot glass and it kept moving by itself and it kept spinning around over the table. And eventually the shot glass was moving so aggressively it fell off and smashed on the ground. So mum had always warned us against these types of things and she said, don't play with this. This is a real phenomena. Uh, this is not to be messed with. You don't know what sort of gateways you'll open up. But we'd had enough experiences in our house to be interested enough to see, can we get some answers through some seances? And, you know, we, we felt that we might be able to protect ourselves sufficiently against anything that might come our way. So we uh, probably did a little bit of research on the internet about you know, making it a safe space and, and bringing in the light for protection and, and all that sort of stuff. And we, we did whatever we, th we thought we could to, to make ourselves safe and protected uh, before we commenced some seances. So... We then went on to do a series of seances and found that after quite a while, we were able to confirm facts and date of birth and uh, you know, addresses and, and information that, that we were using just to verify that we were having a good, strong connection. So we would do this asking questions about, all right, well, when was I, what's my date of birth? But after a little while, we decided, well, we all know the answers to these questions anyway. We're asking questions that we know the answers to maybe one of us is subconsciously influencing this right and that's the biggest argument for for seances and for ouija boards and i 100 believe we, we do subconsciously influence the board and um so i proposed an experiment i said why don't why don't we have one person ask the question who's not touching the ouija board and they ask it in their head so my sister sits back takes her hands off the board and i'm scribing everything as we're going i've got records of all my all my seances that we've ever done i've Got a, a written record so my sister asked the question in her head and anyway sure enough the board starts moving and my sister's not touching it and it spells out the word camberwell misspelt with a k it's normally spelt with a c it's a suburb uh, one suburb over from where we lived in the, in the house and we looked across and, and asked my sister and said what what question did you ask and she said uh, what basketball team do i play for and she played for the camberwell dragons and we all were amazed we were like 100 verified this as genuine contact genuine phenomena whether it's through a spirit or not we have somehow taken a message a thought from my sister's head and it's come through us and and channeled through the board and that to that to, from that point on we started getting really strong connections we believed in the in the phenomena so much more and we started to get some really strong results over several, several um, seances. And that was that was a really interesting moment for us because we always suspected that, you know, we were subconsciously influencing it. But it turns out that, yeah, there, there was more to it than that. And it was yeah quite a revelation. So were you able to get information about the gentleman in the house or, or the little girl to even... Yeah, whenever we tried to get information on that, it would just start moving around heaps. And it was we concluded at the time that there were too many spirits trying to come through at once. They were all trying to hijack it and have their messages come through. And 
we we found that as soon as we'd open it up to anyone other than our family or spirit guides it would just get it would get hijacked it would just it would go crazy all over the place and uh, we'd just get gibberish but whenever we we tried to contact family or or and several times we had spirit guides come through uh, that was when we got the most genuine messages probably the most amazing seance that i ever did was one night it was a nice summer's night it's probably about eight o'clock at night. So daylight saving means the sun hasn't quite gone down yet. We moved into the backyard, me and my brother and sister, to do the seance. And mum sort of followed us out. What are you up to out there sort of thing? So I said, well, we're doing a seance. We're doing it out in the backyard because I know you don't like them. So we didn't want to do it in the house. So we set up our candles and we've got our homemade Ouija board, which was just an A4 sheet of paper with some uh, permanent marker writings on it. That's all it took with a 50-cent coin or a 20-cent coin. And mum's like, all right, well, I'll join you. So, all right, great. Mum's going to join us as well. So we'd had pretty good results, the three of us previously, because we feel like we've all got a little bit of a, a psychic connection. Mum um, joined us and we started to get some really good results straight away. It starts spelling out fate, fate, F-A-T-E, F-A-T-E, fate, fate. And it was circling our initials that we'd handwritten on the Ouija board. And it's fate for fate four and it was jflf and circling all our initials we're like oh this is i guess i'm interpreting this as it's fate that the four of us have come together for this seance tonight that's the only way we could interpret it and a few seconds later it starts spelling out cd3 cd3 and i said oh maybe that's mum maybe that's your dad trying to come through he used to fly a dc3 plane in, in the war and, and these things never come out perfectly sometimes there's a letter yeah. off here and there um but so I said, maybe it's CD3, maybe that means DC3. That would be his way of saying who it is instead of spelling out his whole name, spelling out a DC3 would be pretty, pretty obvious. Anyway, a second later, we look up and we, because we hear something flying directly over the path of our house and it's a DC3 aeroplane that he flew in the war. And this aeroplane coincidentally flew over our house every single Sunday night at 8.30. We knew it did every Sunday. It's a restaurant plane. They take people up from a nearby airport for a joyride, and it's it's an old plane that they, they use just for entertainment. But it was would have been 30 seconds after we had the CD3, CD3, that this DC3 flew over. And it had a really distinct sound, and it was still light enough to determine it was the DC3. And we were like, wow, this is amazing. We all had goosebumps and, and chills, and it was, it was quite an incredible experience. Yes. So, so then we're like, we have the strongest connection now. We, we It's spelling everything word for word, letter for letter perfectly. And we're saying, all right, what happened to the pot plant? Who threw the pot plant up there? And he said, ha ha, I did. And we're like, why did you throw it? And he said, I never liked it. It, was, it used to belong to my grandma, my nana. So he threw it across the room. Um, we, I asked, I said, okay, I want to know a bit about my future. I said, when will I get married? And I'm asking, thinking, what age will I be? How old, you know, what year will it be? And it spells F19. I'm thinking, well, that really could probably only be interpreted as one thing. That I interpreted that and I wrote down that could only mean February 19. Not what I was asking. I was asking about how old I'd be, but I wrote down February 19. And then about uh, six months later, I was traveling to Europe and met this amazing girl who, who lived 10 minutes away from me back home. We were both doing a Euro trip at the time, and uh, eventually we, we got back together. Uh, got, got together when we moved back to Melbourne, and ended up getting engaged. And when we were engaged, we had to try and work out 
when and where we'd get married. So you can see where this is going. I I, yeah. I chose a venue with my wife and, and we locked the venue in. I remember she called me for, when I was at work and I remember where I was and she called me and she said, so we've got two options. There's one about 13 months away if we want to wait a bit over a year or they've just had a cancellation open up and um, that would be the February 19th of next year if we can <laughs> afford to get married in seven months' time. So I said, yeah, lock in the, lock in the February 19th. <clears throat> Excuse me. So like this this is a year or two before I'd even met my wife, uh, probably probably six months before I'd met her and years before I'd even got engaged and ended up being, we got married on the February the 19th. So and there was nothing stage, there that could have pushed you toward that date and she didn't know any, did she didn't know anything she, about she it. I never even knew that story. I never even told her. Um, back those days, I probably held back on some of the, the spiritual and the ghost and the paranormal stuff. I didn't give her too much of that. I certainly never mentioned details of seances or anything like that and as I went back through my my library of all my documented seances sure enough February 19th was the date and I told Viv that story after she booked the wedding wow yeah it's pretty uh you've got you've got like novels oh I know so, so that's why I wanted to come on because I've got I've just got stories for days. You're gonna have to, yeah, yeah. We're definitely. I have questions, but we definitely have to have you back on. Sure. Yeah. Because yeah. you have, I, I mean, are you? You're not in the paranormal industry at all because it no, just you have so no. much knowledge and experience. Uh, not at all. I am uh, very, very fascinated by it. After all these things started happening uh, in my high school days, I would start getting books and I would start practicing uh, out-of-body you know, experiences, astral travel and, th and those sorts of things, which I've had quite a few experiences of. Probably, how, how long have we got? Have I got time to share a couple of these precognitive dreams? And, oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. So the things that really thrust me into researching these topics wasn't so much the ghostly activities and probably wasn't even so much the seances as well it was more the personal experiences that that had happened to me on a more spiritual level so there were things like premonitions and precognitive dreams uh, and in some cases contacting spirits so my first precognitive dream occurred when i was in high school i was probably about 15 years old and i, I had this dream i didn't know it was precognitive at the time i had this dream where i arrived and I was at, uh, arrived at school that day and was sent over to a different class for English. So English wasn't in the normal classroom that it was. It was in the computers room and we'd been relocated there for some reason. And someone in the classroom, and I'm sitting in the back corner, someone in the classroom in my dream throws a, a scrunched up piece of paper across the room and it lands near the teacher. And the teacher goes, Josh, get out and kicks me out, even though I didn't throw it. This is my dream. It was a silly dream. Didn't think anything of it until... The next day and i find that we've been relocated to a, this computing room and i'm sitting there and i'm thinking this feels like deja vu this whole experience it just feels very deja vu like and then someone chucks a bit of paper i'm thinking well this isn't deja vu because I, I remember that happening and it won't be deja vu if i get kicked out for this sure enough teachers like josh get out so i'm standing in the corridor outside the classroom going what's just what's just happened like and it's like, I had a precog about this. Yeah, something so <laughs> insignificant, right? Like so irrelevant in terms of, um, you know, in terms of Where's life. the wiring <laughs> numbers? <laughs> exactly. Like so meaningless, except for the fact that it probably then sparked further research and exploration for yes. me on a more personal and spiritual level. 
so so that was that was pretty weird um uh, and, and you know you bring up a lot you bring up a really healthy healthy point about precog because i tell a lot of people like you know we can't always we can't control what our intuition is going to give us and all of that and sometimes we might never know why we got you know that precog versus something else but just use it to build upon you know absolutely use it as a yeah. building block yeah, and that was just the first of, of several. So after that, and I was more open to that and started to believe in that more. Uh, I remember my uh, my sister had her final exams for high school. And as she was sitting those exams, I had a dream. And I said, oh, I woke up and told her in the morning, oh, I'm sorry, I know your personal goal was to get a score of 90, but I dreamt last night that you got 89.5. And I told her that. She's like, oh, I better not get 89.5. That's just short of my personal goal. And she was a little bit bummed. You know, she got her results back later to the decimal, 89.5, and did the same thing with my brother, except it wasn't a precognitive dream. It was a premonition. I was just walking down the stairs, got to the second last step at, in this house, and I was like, my brother gets 76.3. And I went and said, Zach, you get 76.3, wrote it on the fridge. He hadn't even sat his exams at that point. That was probably September of that year. We finish our years in usually around November, December. And it sat on the fridge for about two months. And sure enough, to the decimal, he got 76.3. And by that stage, we're like, wow, this is a lot of weird precognitive things, premonitions that really disrupt the traditional thinking of space-time as being such a linear thing, right? <clears throat> so, so all that happened. It was really interesting. But probably my favourite was, or two of my favourites, I'll tell my two favourites now. One time I woke up in the middle of the night and my nana, who passed away several years prior, came over to my bedside, got me out of bed, this is all still in my dream, and walked me into uh, into my parents' room and sat me down on the side of the bed, uh, on the side my dad would normally sleep. They weren't in the room. This is all still in my dream. The room was really well lit with this sort of bathed in golden yellow light. And... She, she gives me a hug and, and not nice to see you, all this sort of stuff. She says, I want to introduce you to someone. So in comes my grandfather, who I'd never met. He died when my mum was 14. Oh. And it was it was a chance to, to meet him for the first time. So he comes over and shakes my hand and gives me a big hug. And, and it, was, it was amazing. It was beautiful. I, I wake up in tears of happiness and joy and comfort. And it was really amazing. And, and I woke up and I told mum straight away. And then she was in tears that morning. It was a really nice moment. And, yeah, and I remember recounting my story to mum and telling her the whole thing. And, and I said to her, in the background, there was there was a woman who looks just like my cousin Kate. Um, I don't know who it was. I've never seen her before. It wasn't Kate, but it looks just like Kate. Uh, she had the you know, long brown curly hair. And uh, anyway, so a little while after we went through the family photo albums and we found that my grandpa had a relative who looks exactly like my cousin Kate and she was standing in the background just watching on smiling uh, taking in the moment but uh, she uh, was in the background and was able to verify that that was her by looking through the photo album wow yeah I've had those dreams before too with with past relatives and it's and it's this everything in the dream is like golden light around it it's just a hue of it yeah. like everywhere yeah yeah that's that's the thing i remember specifically about that dream and 
also for this one, and this is probably my favourite dream I ever had. Uh, this was probably I was in my mid-20s. It was uh, probably a year or two before I moved out of that, that house uh, that I'd lived in and had most of my experiences in. My cousin Mel came to me in a dream, and my cousin Mel had been disabled in a wheelchair, practically brain dead for about 20 years. And she came to me in my dream and said, uh, I'm, I'm coming to let you know that uh, I'm going to move on from this life. I've done everything I can. I've been tested to the max. I've learned everything I can. Uh, I've had the human experience and, and I'm moving on. And we were standing you know, in my dream. We were standing on the steps of the church where our mutual grandparents had had, had their funeral. And I remember, again, this, this light was quite strong, even though she wasn't dead at that time. So I woke up the next morning and went straight to mum. I said, this is the dream I've had. You know I've had weird dreams in the past. What do you make of this? Have we heard from that side of the family? How's my cousin Mel going? Uh, and mum said, well, you know, we haven't heard from them, but that's not uncommon. We don't speak to that side of the family a lot. Just, just we, we live different lives. It's not a falling out or anything. We just don't see them that often. Um, so we haven't heard from them for probably maybe five years prior. You know, I came home from work about two two days later and mum says, oh, your cousin Mel is in the hospital, coincidentally in the hospital uh, for which I work. And um, she, yeah, and she, she's not looking great. She actually might not make it. And she died a day or two later than that. Oh. And to me, it was, it was amazing. I remember being at her funeral feeling so grateful that she'd been able to come through to me and connect with me. It was the first time she'd been able to communicate with anyone in 20 years. And I was the last person that she communicated with before she moved on to my knowledge. And it, yeah, it's probably the most special moment of my life. It was, it was amazing. And yeah, that was, that was probably about 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. That's an amazing story. Yeah. And it just goes to show you the continuity even during our physical lives that we do have the ability to talk to other people telepathically in our dreams. Um, and I, you know, and it, it, it also goes to show that there is something going on that's greater than ourselves, whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I love that all these experiences have, given me complete comfort around knowing that I'll die one day and complete comfort around dying at any point in time, because in some ways I'm kind of excited to see what's on the other side and to return to that source. And, you know, I think we're really put on this earth to be tested in so many ways. And I think that everybody talks about you know, this concept of heaven and hell without being too negative the hell is the earth we're living on now this is where we've come for the ultimate test and the heaven is on the other side and that's not from a religious perspective i'm in no way religious at all actually it's, it's um quite sort of agnostic but uh, yeah I had some pretty amazing experiences that lead me to believe that despite being a man of science there are so many things that we just cannot explain with traditional science no, there, there are a lot of things that we will not catch up to, to the laws of the universe are still mm -hmm. a mystery to me. And Absolutely. I think I like it better like that. I, I think it adds a, a certain sense of fun. I most certainly, I most certainly do. Well, it seems like you have a lovely family and I'm glad that you could talk to your mom now about things that maybe you couldn't have in the past. And, you know, she participates in, you know, well-organized, you know, intentional seances with you. Absolutely.
And I, I think the, I would love to have you back on. I'm sure the listeners would love to have you back on. We'll see what we can make happen. But uh, Josh, thank you so much for coming. This has given me, yes, wide depths to think about. Um, and uh, I can't well, wait. Thanks to so see much you. for having me. Yes. Great. Yes. We'll just, um, I'm going to stop the recording, but hold on and wait for me for final thoughts. Well, guys, thank you for tuning into this episode of Listener Chronicles. Um, if you like it, let us know what you think in the comments. Give us a five-star review along with your comments um, and pass it along to a friend. Puff, puff, give on this one. Until next time, guys, be cool. We'll see you out there.